Hello and welcome back to the Great Bee Podcast with your host, Ike Hedlam. So yeah, back with a new conversation. I'm speaking with a musician based out on air, Matt Hickman, better known as Brown Bear. I connected with Matt a couple of years ago. Um, we had a couple of conversations online and prior to recording this conversation. And I actually finally got to meet him actually a couple of weeks ago in Edinburgh. So, um, so that was really cool to kind of catch up with him in person. But yeah, I really enjoyed this conversation. I think like just kind of listening to Matt and speaking to him just about his journey so far and all the things he's been up to in between, you know, his passion for what he does definitely comes through in this conversation. So I really enjoyed it and I hope you guys enjoy it as well. And I'll catch up with you at the end as usual. All right, see you soon. So Matt, welcome to the Me Podcast. Thank you for being the guest. Oh, thanks so much for having me. It's nice, nice to see you. Nice to hear you. Yeah, yeah. You know, what? I was just kind of saying this literally just now, just off mic before we recorded that. I know I kind of spoke to you a couple of times over like, it must have been 2020. And I don't forget, it might have been last year. I can't remember. But I kind of feel like that 2020, 2021 bit has been a bit of like a bubble or kind of like that COVID kind of fog. Kind of yeah. Thing. And I, th- I think it's so funny, isn't it? Because when... A lot of people connected, like the way we connected was obviously at the, the kind of other side of Black Lives Matter and all the stuff that's going on and all the conversations and all the creatives trying to link together. So it's it's nice to be talking in a fresher way because a lot of the conversations we were all having them were sort of, they were nice and they were supportive, but they were heavy, if that makes sense. So it's nice oh, to yeah. be, everyone's a bit more chill and it's kind of like, well, let's talk about the, the, the actual creative stuff we do because I felt like at some point we were all being quite supportive to each other which mm-hmm. I, I'm sure I mean I've seen you post about it as well and it, I think all of that year took a lot out of people people of colour in Scotland and, and all yeah. over the world yeah big time man I think it was, it was a big kind of like even like that kind of like emotionally exhausting I think a lot of kind of conversations I've had with people in the community how just like how tiring it it was you know you kind of taken on a collective kind of pressure and how I sort of touch on it in the conversation how like you become a source for like non-people of colour for guidance or support and then you're kind of like you know they're offloading onto you and stuff like that and then you're like hey you know this is what I'm not here for but um yeah like what I'm you know do you know what I always kind of start the conversation when I kind of speak you know when I speak with like new guests in the podcast I literally cannot remember how I started following you. And I think there might, I'm trying to think how I started following you. I think I've probably done it on the podcast first and then it was We Are Here Scotland. I literally cannot remember. Yeah, I, I think it was the podcast first because I yeah. didn't realise that it was both you and then it must have been some post happened and it, the penny dropped like, ah, oh, it's the same thing, <laughs> like, it's the yeah. same guy. Um, yeah, and it, it's, it's so funny as well because like, I'm not the world's biggest social user. So sometimes people will follow me and it'll be, I'll speak to them and then I go, oh, amazing, follow me. And I look and they have followed me. And I'm like, oh, sorry, I didn't follow you back. But it's not that I've not followed them back. I just I just don't really ever look or go on. Yeah. I, I go through bouts of it. I, I find myself on it when I have to be and we're in the middle mm-hmm. of a process. And then I can just step away from it for a long time. And Yeah. I don't know. But then somehow I feel like I look at it every day and, and we're, we're all guilty of it. We all go on and scroll. Yeah, it becomes like a second nature of kind of like um, a muscle memory thing, which is also also not kind of like a good thing sometimes as mm-hmm. well. So I'm trying to get to that kind of balance of being like, right, business-wise of podcasts or stuff of like we are here kind of Scotland. But I think, you know, one thing I've never actually even asked you, I never actually kind of found out actually, how did this all kind of start for you, for you, like your career development into like becoming a musician? I think I just, I just always wanted to play music and play guitar and, and I was obsessed with songs and I just 
don't know, somewhere along the line I got given a guitar for a Christmas and I just started learning to play it and then I, I don't know, I just kept playing and I was just, well, I saw about this the other night as well, I, I, like, I kind of don't really remember the point where I thought I want to be a creative, but I just realised that in, somewhere along the line in school I was not doing the work and I was just sitting writing stories in my jar <laughs> and, and I thought, well, and you know, the funny thing is as well, like, um, when I realised I I don't know, I've just always been quite sociable and I, I, when I was about and I was in different things and played, you know, with sports and all these different things I did and I was, I, I never stayed stuck to where I lived. So I felt like every time I went somewhere I would meet someone I kind of knew and I thought but the reason they probably spotted me and said that is because I looked quite distinct, especially from my area. Mm-hmm. And then, I don't know, part of you thinks, well, if I look this way and I stand out anyway, I may as well stand out, I may as well do something, I may as well just do things differently. I just always have had this thing of wanting to do it differently. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think that's that's where it started for me. I just kept, kept playing and kept playing, and you know, I didn't know anything when I was doing it. Every every, every opportunity, every failure I've had at, at it has taught me how to succeed. So, like, I I do think that it's part of what helped with me getting to where I am now is getting it wrong because I didn't know what I was doing. I was just like, I just knew I wanted to do it, and I think sometimes that determination eventually people meet you and go okay well, I'll help you do it like, it's not even about whether you're good or not enough they just go oh gosh he really wants to do it let's try and help him do it because he's really he really means this because we keep seeing him come back and trying yeah. and trying and trying so I think that was a lot of it yeah uh, yeah I think that's how you know you touched on something really important there and I think it's actually that thing about persistence and just not kind of like faltering or kind of failing you're thinking like right I want to kind of do this so I'm going to be consistent I'm going to keep turning up I'm just going to keep like being that person that turns up at the gigs or and saying hey can I get a bit of a spot and somewhere and stuff like that and it seems like that's definitely worked for you over the years yeah and, and it's one of those things as well when you watch documentaries or books or films about your the musicians you love their stories are, I mean whether they're true or not like so the more I've grown up the more I've realized these stories are often kind of fabricated to help sell whatever but you know whether they're true or not, like the story seems to be the same that you had. I mean, whether e- even if you have all the contacts in the world, like you still need to be in the right place or in the right people at the right time, and then the people have to respond to it. Like it does, you could have everything on a plate, and people could still not take it. So, yeah, I really quickly learned that. Like everyone I would speak to had this. I think as well, things happened to me. Like I would, I, I was in a, a rock kind of rock band, and that's why I, I thought I wanted to be a rocker and all that. And whenever I did shows, people would always come up and be like, "That there's a way people say that's good where they what they mean is like that wasn't very good, but there's something good about you." <laughs> and, they, and they would always say like, "That was good. Like there's actually something really like poppy about your writing, or like you know, there's someone once said to me like you've got a really like feminine touch to your writing, and you should actually be writing for women." And I remember as like a teenage boy thinking I was a rocker, being like, "What? What does that mean?" And now I go, now I now I realise like, well, what they really mean is like you have an ability to express with words that we sometimes wrongly associate to uh, the gender of women. Whereas what we really should be doing is saying that every everyone and, and men, maybe more than most, should be eloquent themselves that way because we obviously see so many issues with men because they don't have the ability to express their emotions. But like coming back to the point, it was like they saw in me that I had the ability to write for people and I never thought about that. Whereas as I got older and I started thinking about it more, I was like, oh, actually, I think that is what I like to do. I think I do like, I do. I just love writing songs. So I, and I, I'm not like the most prolific musician by any stretch of the imagination. I'm not. So, but I'm a good writer and I thought, well, if I can get with the right people, I can write with them and then 
I can create the songs that I really always wanted to hear, which I would never be able to do myself, but through the vehicle of someone who's more talented than me, then I could maybe make a song. Like, and the genre I love as well, like I love Motown and so on, Stevie Wonder, but I didn't really play piano until right. I do now, funnily enough, but I didn't at the time, so... I was like, how am I ever going to play soul music if I can't if I can't play piano? If I can't if I don't know how to do all these gospel chords. And then I met people who could sing that way, and I was like, oh, this is amazing to just just be able to think about songs differently and words differently. Yeah, um, it's funny because I was in the studio and I was talking about songs, and I was talking about musicals, and the, the folk in the studio were kind of laughing about it a bit. And I was like, no, but you should listen to that as a writer because although the words sometimes are quite cheesy or corny, they're actually that way for a select purpose and they're telling a different story. And it's really lovely for me. I love listening to musicals and going to see them because they get to rhyme with words that we couldn't use in normal music because people will go, what, that's silly or whatever. But because it's supposed to be silly or whatever the scene's supposed to be, they get to do different rhymes. And I go, oh, this is amazing. And I, I just love hearing words go together that feel like they should go together. I don't know yeah. if, there's a, if there's like a term for that, but I love right. it. Yeah, no, like, actually, you know, you could mention musicals and like, I met my wife in London and um, she's living there and before we went to Scotland and she's like a big musical kind of person. She got me into musicals and my perception come from South like, East London from a council estate was like, what? That's for like certain type of people, middle class kind of people. But then like that has been such an eye opening kind of experience because you actually like even going to a musical you're like right you don't realize how much kind of time and effort goes into it how much actually performers are not paid that well <laughs> you know you know in, in, in all the work they kind of do with that but yeah definitely over the years got like a definitely newfound appreciation for like different types of kind of like you know like music or actually and realizing how hard it is being a musician or being in a band or like being a creative and, and one thing I kind of want to touch on is just like for like you know you took on this you took on this kind of like career path what was your parents kind of like chat what were they kind of saying to it um i think like it's it's it was such a weird thing because my parents really raised us to be like free thinkers and free spirits and they they wanted us to do what we wanted to do and they like like much like yourself it came from a working class background and they just you know maybe maybe they'd had to always take the job before they ever thought about what they actually wanted to do and they'd maybe hope that well maybe if we can get to a certain point they can be what they want to be but there's that same conflict of being where we were from where they were like yeah we, we believe these things and we're instilling them with you but also get a real job <laughs> <laughs> and like um my, my mom and dad were music obsessed like and, and it's funny when i started saying i wanted it to be a job just like you do as a kid when my dad was like printing stuff out and saying, well, this is the reality of it. You need to know this, you need to know. And, and you know, business is business. It's not just about getting up and being rocking. Um, he, he passed when I was 16. So um, I think that shifted a lot of the dynamics with everyone around me because they went from like, oh, you know, maybe think about it. And, and you know, the school were starting to say, you know, Matt's been coming into these meetings and saying he wants to do this and we think we should focus on this and that. And all stuff I didn't have interest in, you know, like, and um, my mum, I think, just thought, well, you know, okay, we've just learned the hard way that life's short, so you've got to go and do what you've got to go and do. And, yeah. Um, you know, and that's maybe the silver lining. But even even through that time, even though she felt that and believed that, there were still times where she came. and Because you worry, right? Because for all the people behind the scenes, they were seeing us do Radio 1 or the Libertines tour or being on the BBC or being on TV and being all over Europe. 
like we were doing that at, at the cost and I didn't have any money and I was just like debts were coming and coming and I was like I was just kind of a bit naive thinking well maybe one day this pays off and it's all right and I never really thought about well I need to set it up and be a business and be really strict and, and have returns and all that so yeah I, I was just going out and I went in a prayer hoping that it would work out and I think my mum worried because she thought like and, and that's the thing and, and for a lot of creatives you'll know that like when you look around you know your friends have now got a really great job and they've got a house and they're married and they've got kids and you're like you're like oh my goodness I've I've I don't even own I don't even own anything like <laughs> you know what I mean I don't I don't own a guitar let alone like a car or a house and you know they're going on holidays and you 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 couldn't even afford a train to the city to see them so it's like it's it's a really weird thing and um but I, I i think deep down you know the people closest to me i don't know if, i don't know i don't i never asked them whether they believed in me or not but i think they they could see that i believed so much in what i wanted to do i'm not saying i believed in myself like i thought i could do it but just how much yeah. i wanted to do it that they thought well he's not going to change and he's mm-hmm. he's been he's been stubborn since he was born he's not going to stop being stubborn at like 30 or whatever I mean, you know I'm, I'm 30 now but and I'm in a much better place than, than I was when this was all going down so yeah it's 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 been it's been cool because I had cool parents right and they and they were really like you know they they paid the price for telling us to be free thinkers because they hated it. they, they <laughs> questioned everything and then when we questioned them they were like why did you tell them that <laughs> Yeah, it's the thing. Yeah, I guess I kind of like I'm. Um, yeah, like I'm a few like quite a bit older than you. And I was turned forty last year, and I think I always had this kind of generational thing. For my mum, was like, oh, you can go and do those kind of things you love to be able to do, but also have that backup kind of thing. Have the backup, you know, have the security, the job security, and stuff like that. And I think one thing you kind of touched on as well. I think like I see it happen a lot. I think within the music industry that. How, especially for up and coming like musicians, you're not thinking about, okay, you know, tax returns and all this kind of stuff, or actually, like you're saying, like generating the kind of profit and stuff and not actually kind of getting into that and stuff like that. And I think that's something that people don't really kind of speak on about a lot for some reason. I don't know why. I, I think there's this age old thing where musicians think if you, if you talk about the business that you're not an artist. Whereas I think of it like if I learn the business, I'll get to actually be an artist. Whereas most people don't learn the business, they think they're an artist, but what's really happening is they're being exploited. And that's the the kind of core structure of the arts. And and I was really I was really lucky again, like my gran and my mum's mum, who was a lot a lot older, you know, she was like in her eighties at this point. She should have been really generationally strict, and, but she was. She just has this thing of she just always say like, "Did you do your best?" And I go, "Yeah." She well, that's all you can do. She was really like. Yeah. You know, and, and I had I had people around me who were like, but but yeah, but the, again, like a, a generational thing, right? So, Matt, there's this weird thing now when we hear about a certain generation talking, they're older, and they say things like, well, you know, this happened and that happened, and, and it's, it's even Brexit, they're like, you know, what about all the people that served in World War Two? But they, they they were born during the time, but they didn't serve, whereas my, my grandpa served, and he, his attitude was so vastly different to anyone who talks about that now, and I always think, how did you get that attitude? Because I spoke, I know I've met a lot of people in my life who served and their like their views on Europe, like my grandfather's view on Europe would have been we should never leave because that was the peace that we all fought for. But then you heard people who use the soldier war rhetoric to get Brexit and you think, but my experience of someone who lived that experience is so different from what you're telling yeah. me. So it's this weird thing in it where there's this weird older generation who somehow ended up more bigoted than their 
older gen. It's like there was like quite a nice period, and then a generation of bigots that are unexplained, and then a nice period again. It's really <laughs> bizarre. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, it's just, it's just one of those weird things. But coming back to what we're talking about, like bands do this thing, like you say, and they don't learn the business, like I was saying, but. They also do a thing of even, even not even getting to the, the in-depth stuff like taxes. They think that they should take controls and you take opportunities because you think, oh, I need to do it. Whereas you don't stop and think, ah, oh, if I do this show and then that show, that's actually going to diminish my return, so I should make myself an event. But that that takes a long time to learn. There's a there's a time and a place to do lots of shows. We, we've announced a lot more shows than we would maybe traditionally do now in a row, but we know that we're we finished the second album and I'm not one of those bands that wants to come back and be like, here's the second album and we've made this whole production. I want to go out and road test those songs so they're actually good and it's not played like, because a, a lot of bands that you see at bigger levels when they do it, <clears throat> nowadays they're playing to like backing tracks and it's all this big production. It's like, mm-hmm. man, I just like to see people come out and really play it and I don't know that you can do that well until you've road tested it. So we're like, let's get out, let's road test this record. We've got to wait for the vinyl anyway because vinyl's in a huge delay. But otherwise, we're sitting at home. We've had two years in, but had it not been COVID, I don't think it would have been the same. I think we'd have come back and said, "What are the events, and how do we do we do that marker?" Yeah. And but this is it's a conflict for me because I've always got that business head on. But then the, there's another part of me that really has this big love and belief that regional areas are kind of left behind. So, for as much as a city might offer me a gig and turn it down, I'll turn it down. Like somewhere in a really regional area, might say, "Come and play," and I'll go. Yeah, if, do you know what? If this is a cool thing for the community. I'll be there because I believe in growth and I think I, I, I because I grew up in a really regional area that got left yeah. behind so I want to see the other regional areas to not be left behind but that that's like a kind of like a part of my personality choice rather than a business choice because I know that you know that I, I, that might actually diminish some returns for us but that's a choice I want to make because I believe in it but bands bands don't think like that so they, they go take every, every every gig and then what happens, what they don't realise is people look at the poster and instead of going, oh, they're coming to where I live, they go, ah, they'll come back. They always do. So I'll go and see them next time. And then yeah. they don't go, right? <laughs> yeah, no, that's so true. I think it's like, you know, you kind of like, that's such a kind of really interesting insight about saying, okay, performing in kind of this kind of rural areas is actually, I guess, in one sense, you're inspiring the next younger generation of local musicians and talent as well to be like, oh, yeah, we can do this for ourselves and we can actually start kind of actually doing the work and actually starting off from here. But I think, you know, you kind of touched on it as well. There's also this bit of fee for musicians or up-and-coming musicians to be like, oh, yeah, we need to be playing at, like, these places, the Barrowlands and, you know, all that kind of stuff as well. But... One thing as well, I think there's always like, which I kind of learned as well, even for doing like the podcast of We Are Here Scotland, there's a process. There has to be a process to call the things like where you want to be, that's in your head. And that and that's all good. And it's good to have that kind of focus, but it's not going to happen just like that as well. So I think one thing I was going to ask you, like for your kind of like years in the kind of like, you know, Scottish music industry, what have been some of the kind of challenges that have come up for you that you've kind of been like, wow, that's really difficult. And what have you kind of learned from those challenges? I think it's such a small country that it means like every business has gatekeepers, but the smaller smaller the country and the smaller the business, the fewer the gatekeepers and the fewer the chances of getting through the gate. And I think Scotland's built around one or two bodies that control a lot of things in music. And if you don't play the game, you don't get ahead. 
Um, so I guess eventually I learned you're going to have to play the game a bit. But then also I got old enough to learn actually you don't have to play the game. You have to do what's right for you. Because for the people who want you to play the game, they're kind of a lot about money. So if you get to the point where you're going to make the money, they'll still work with you and they'll never turn it down. So I just think, well, when the time's right for us to work together, it'll work. Until then, let's just leave it. But yeah, I think that's the thing. And I think um, there's definitely like regional challenges. Like being from Ayrshire made it harder because you weren't part of the Glasgow scene and you didn't know the lay of the land. Like all those things play a factor. And if you're from Glasgow and there's a gig structure, it's easy to maybe do it and build up. Blah, 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 blah. There's no, there's not really a structure in Ayrshire or, or venues. So like, how do you? How do you catch the attention to to move up? So I've learned that there's a lack of infrastructure and, and very much so in Scotland and that's a huge obstacle before you add any other factors into it, you know, like so your region's a factor, your class is probably a factor because and you've probably you've interviewed so many creatives, you'll find this as well. Like it, it costs a lot more than you make a lot of times. So you have yeah. to how do you when you're a working class or you're not well off how do you afford to keep going and that's the real struggle and then that, again that's when you take I've done it in my life where I take on shows and gigs I don't want to do but I think I'm going to have to do this tour it's not the best thing for my career but I, I actually have to pay my bills and other musicians don't have that because they're well off or their parents are well off or they've got a, a funding body whatever they have and I, I think I think Scotland's just we have a huge problem in all of our organisations up to a certain period of time where it was like an old boys club and I think mm-hmm. that's been really hard to remove from Scotland and, and, and we're starting to see real shifts now but that's taken a long time whereas down south like for all the criticisms people up here have with down south their systems actually are a lot more targeted to try and get people from deprived areas and make sure they're not lost in the sporting systems or in, in the art systems and we still allow this kind of like private school rich culture and this obsession before they might have a bit of money so we should book them because their parent their dad's a millionaire he might invest in the festival instead of going we don't want that we need to make a festival that the public invested like nothing nothing here seems like it's done for the public everything's done to it's like this idea like let's put on something so big that people from all over the world come to scotland and it's like mm-hmm. but you've never done anything for the people that live in scotland like you mobilize your own community first yeah i think that's the, the attitude that it keeps us back sometimes yeah, 100%. And I think this is why, like, how I kind of started kind of like, you know, we had some conversations, like, at the height of obviously a lot of issues back in, like, 2020. And I think, like, I just I definitely got the impression that you was having a lot of conversations with probably the same people I was having conversations with, um, you know, like, organ- industry organisations and stuff like that. But one thing I kind of always kind of think, like, um, within the Scot- Scottish kind of music industry scene, there's always been this kind of push for the indie solo musician band as well, predominantly white, you know, led kind of like um, musicians and stuff like that. And do you think there's been a genuine kind of shift with that over the past couple of years? Or do you think like all the kind of chat or I guess like um, organisation or like um, for like events and stuff is still kind of like behind that, it's still like a white-led industry kind of focus. I think it's it's a tough one, right? There's there's layers to it because on the surface it would seem like it's about bands and indie music, but like I, I, 
of coming from a band and being in indie music, we're not the type of people that the the system helps, right? And I know that because I know bands and indie music because indie bands are predominantly working class. So even if they are white, they're working class. What I think really happens in Scotland is there are people in charge and their mates and their friends are in the... So it doesn't matter whether they're banned. What matters is what project they're doing because I've seen people who were bands suddenly become a two-piece electronic music because someone said to them, like, that's what's in them if it can get you this thing. And they right. just ditch it. So, like, I don't think it's that Scotland has this love affair in the business with bands or artists. I think it's more that they have friends. And, and I actually feel like when I see things, it's kind of weighed more towards pop and electronic, like pop. Electro, okay. like pops and just now when everyone you see is becoming like this you know people I've known in years for bands or something that's kind of pop artist but then when bands become cool again I'm sure they'll all say they're bands it's tour bus chasing that's what we call it you know what I mean it's oh, like, okay. they're, they're, they're going like how can we rebrand ourselves to get on the cool support and I think that's the problem is like we've got so many people here who are posers oh, okay. and, and their friends are in places that help them pose and <clears throat> but one thing I would say is oh, with all of that is like that meant that is very much more likely to be songwriter a band kind of maybe stereotypically what people would see as white music because mm-hmm. and, and for all the things I've seen a lot of great bands or people overlooked every like the whole hip hop thing or R and B was totally overlooked and um and it's a hard one for us because we, we are a band that are kind of songwriter based but have a black culture to us and we were just never we we knew bands who were the kind of bands that folk here would want to support. And they would say to us, we always thought you would do great things, but we kind of knew because you were brown or black that it wasn't going to happen. Because okay. the indie world isn't ready for black people, even though like their whole things come from like black music. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, so it's, <clears throat> that's, that's a really hard question. But I think, again, it's just like people in, in high places and their friends, and it's friends first. And it's the, the same old people, like you say, that get, it felt like we're getting funded and the, and the yeah. bodies were supporting and mm-hmm. um and I think it's area based as well. Like I say, like even to be from Ayrshire and be close to Glasgow, it felt like we were outsiders because we weren't from Glasgow. Yeah, do you know I, I definitely get that kind of notion. I think even being up in the northeast of Scotland, that like where I, even like friends who are artists and creatives, they're like, oh yeah, not going for that funding because they don't like these organisations don't support the northeast of Scotland or Aberdeen. It's all central belt, central belt kind of focus and stuff like that. And that's always like disheartening to kind of hear and actually see that kind of happening. But one thing I want to say is that massive props to you because you put out that playlist. Was I don't know if it was in 2020 or last year, Black and Scottish. Yeah. And I was thinking like, thank God somebody's done that. And also, you, 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 when you produce that and playlist, you even introduced it to some people I wasn't aware of. And I was just like, wow. I can imagine there was probably a few people saying, oh, I don't know, like, probably like, correct me if I'm wrong, but we're emailing you and saying, hey, who's that person? Who's this person? Who's that person? Or, or which is even nicer was folks saying, by the way, I know someone who's in that book. Could you add them in that? So that was the nice thing. And I think I wanted to, I wanted to, there's two things in it. I wanted to have, to say like, do you know what, we are here. Mm. But also to have this eclectic playlist of like, we're not on, because this is what's happening right now is like, Okay, now we've decided we want to fund black people. Here's some hip hop events. Sorry, not every black person does hip hop, and 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 it, and it, it's an age old stereotype that black people rap or sing, and it's what it really does is it takes away 
the thing that they're writers because God forbid that you are the creator. And this comes back to royalties. <clears throat> there is an argument that even the royalty system of like music and lyrics was done as a racial thing because so much of the songs back in the day were rhythmic based and rhythm and blues and they didn't want to have black people succeed in the business. So they were exploited and then people like Elvis were able to do black music, but you know, become the kinds the Beatles did black music, you know, they're the greatest of all time apparently. <laughs> all the black people who created the music that they stole. Um, yeah. God forbid that we talk about them as as relevant to music. So I was like, well, I, I, a part of it started because I had this quest of like, I want to find black artists who are writers and singers because I think that's really hard to find. Or and then and then I thought to myself, and is there part of them that thinks, you know, it's hard enough to get ahead if if I don't have some sort of leaning towards R and B and hip hop, I'll never get anything because the funds now are all. And, and, that, and that's one thing I, I think's been great to see, even help musicians in mobile change their stance a bit because. You know, I think for the first time, the Mobos is going to have like a rock alternative award and it was kind of because of the Nova Twins and it's like, well, even a black-led award didn't acknowledge that black people write songs or are in bands. And it was like, so I, I just had this quest, like I want to find black creators and I want to put them together. And some people were critical. Some people thought that there's no such thing as black and Scottish, you shouldn't call people black and whatever. And that's like your, your beef. But to me, to be... Oh, a person of colour in Scotland and be Scottish is such a rarity because we're such a small part of the population, but we'll all have a shared experience and, and, and we're so separated and quite often you'll be the only person in where you live that's like that. So to find other people, it's just like, this is kind of really nice. And and, and then it, when the festivals come and say, hey, we can't book black people because there's no black people in Scotland, you can show them a playlist and there's like 30 artists on it. You go, well, sorry, there's 30 artists there and this isn't, you know, you're you're not booking a lineup of Scottish people. You're booking a music lineup, and there's there's more than five percent of black people in the music industry. So you shouldn't be reflective of Scotland. You should, you should be reflective of the business you're in, mm-hmm. first and foremost, right? And 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 it's the same thing. And and, and we see because because I, I see it with gender. Like I know everywhere I go, and I, I'm really connected, and I've always looked out for bands. I know so many kick-ass female artists, and they say, ah, we don't have any female artists. What? Most of the best artists in Scotland right now are female. So is it? You know, I've got this thing I say to you all the time, like you're 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 either stupid or you're you're ignorant. Like I'll let you pick which, but like you're one of them, <laughs> right? And <clears throat> whatever you choose to be is is your thing. And 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 it makes me sad because I know there's great black artists. I don't know them, and I hope this was a way to connect with them. And I know there's great female artists, and I know there's like, and now I see people say like, someone tried to book me for a show, and and I I ended up saying no because I was like I just got the feeling that this is a kind of like. Fell in, fell in a box last minute mm-hmm. and they were like yeah well we had this other black artist involved and you were, and they had a list of people and, and you weren't on the list it's like well don't just because we don't know each other don't try and make it like I'm not black or they were writing me off we just don't know each other and hopefully one day we do but like mm-hmm. why are you trying to pit me pit me against it like at least be honest enough to say man we want someone black in line would you do it and I'd go I would be able to make that decision yeah honestly about it rather than be tricked into something and realise hey I'm ticking the box because they've because we, we'll all see this now as well it's like there's a lot of funds to help black people but really really if you're cynical the funding bodies have been told if you don't fund black people the higher funder body than you isn't going to keep funding you that's so what's up man <laughs> right? yeah. no, no one's talking about that no one's yeah. and, and, and what I feel those funding bodies should be honest and say 
like, listen, we need to fund more black people or we get cut funding. So it's better that it goes to you than it doesn't go anywhere. And then we can all have an honest conversation about it, right? You know, I'm trying not to burst start laughing, but I've literally been speaking on this on, like, via, like, even, like, the podcast Instagram account and also We Are Here Scotland over the past couple of years being like, look, in the most simplest way, like, look, the reason why they're getting in touch with us, and I guess is that that's the cynical side of me, and I'm, I'm always kind of awful being quite cynical, but it's just that bit of actually, you're right, the higher funding bodies that fund are, like, organisations that often offer us funding are saying to them, look, I think it's probably coming from even from, like, the Scottish government level, they're saying, like, look, we're getting all these letters, and we're getting all these, like, emails of complaints at the height of probably Black Lives Matter stuff, so people mm-hmm. are like, right, we need to kind of change our whole approach. We actually, oh yeah, we need to, you know, it wasn't, I don't think the, 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 the 360 turnaround of like supporting black and like POC arts and creators, you know, I, I like to, you know, I like to think it was from the Black Lives Matter thing, but I think it's obviously that financial pressure as well for people like, oh shit, now we've got to actually do stuff. It's, it's that thing, isn't it? It's like both things can be true. Yeah. It's like, it could, and, and what I would say is like the people who are still going with it and still really pushing hard, well, for a lot of people that's died out. So mm-hmm. they must mean it. Whether they, it was, whether they did it for the right reasons or not, or everyone involved is right. There's obviously people there who who believe it. And that's that's what we need. There's, you know, um, but, but it's difficult because there's this weird idea that like, Black people are obsessed with race. Mm-hmm. And and my experience is the last thing you ever expect it to be is racism. So you'll go through all this stuff and and you'll go and you'll keep telling people no. And someone will eventually say to you, Do you think it's racism? And you go, nah, it's definitely not racism. And then it, you exhaust all the options and you go, Yeah, I think it could be racism. But there's this weird perception that there's this race card, and you go, Well, we'll just make it about blackness. And it's like, but but I've never woke up and thought, like, do you know what I'd love to do? I'd love to just be judged by the colour of my skin. That's that's how I'm gonna start my day. That's better than cereal. Like no one's ever thought that. But there's yeah. this weird thing. So when these things happen, people go, "Oh, you're just giving into those people playing victims." We're not playing victims, man. If you knew what we'd been through, and if you know what our parents have been through, and you knew what their parents have been through, you'd know that we're warriors. We're not victims. Mm-hmm. You you wouldn't you wouldn't have lasted that test. You don't you you'll never have to go through that test, and you wouldn't have made it through. Yeah. But you're happy to sit there and say that we play the victim. Like we, I, I've never thought. It was about blackness like I just but when I found out that there was people with a common sh- you know okay black's the term we're using but really what we're saying here is there's people here who share an experience that I've lived I would like to share with them good experiences now I'd like to be supported by them and support them because they understand something about me that most people around me can't understand Yeah. so if we use that term black to say that's how we're describing it it's not really your business like and this is the kicker when they say like blackness oh why why is it you're not why you don't call you know some black people say we're not black we're not black we're not like mm-hmm. this it's like but okay but for whiteness then what's the point in history that binds you all because there's a point in history that binds all all of us as black people whether it's African Caribbean born in whatever country because at one point in time for better or worse, we were viewed as nothing more than property. Mm-hmm. Now, that's not what we should dwell on, and that's not all of our history, and it's not our future, but that's a point in time that we have, and because of that, we have blackness. So when you deny blackness or you cut down other black people from a conversation, 
I understand the nuances of the conversation, but I always think have that behind closed doors because when we do it publicly, all you do is give weight to like bigots and racists and the right wing yeah. and, and the people who don't want blackness to exist because they don't want rights for people of colour. Mm-hmm. So it's like, of course we should have that nuanced chat because because I have this thing as well. It's like being black or mixed, accepting that you're black is a hard thing. The 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 acceptance of like because people again it's this thing people say as if black people don't know their own history so they say like do you know that they called you black for this reason yeah and we know that we had to take something horrible and find pride in it Mm -hmm. so in the same way that accepting blackness has been painful at some point in history we'll have to let go of blackness and that'll be equally painful because Mm -hmm. that's something that we've had to redefine and to be part of who we are and part of our culture but ultimately we all have different very different cultures but for people like myself or for people who are listening who are black and they are British or they're Scottish like you don't get to say to them like why are you saying black because you're Ken- we're not Kenyan we're not Nigerian we're, we're Scottish but mm-hmm. we aren't Scottish to Scottish people so in terms of the UK blackness and America blackness is a thing and it's quite often what we see <clears throat> and this isn't a criticism these organisations go I know an African person, we should get them on the board. They've maybe just come here and they don't have any understanding of what it is to be black and Scottish. So when they first go on that board, they go, nah, racism is a thing. No, you're, you're wrong. Cut, cut forward six months of living here. Man, it's really racist. Yeah, man, we, yeah. we could have told you that if you spoke to us first. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you, know, you know what, yeah, you know what, like, you, you, you're 100% of, like, the nail on the head there. Like, even, like... um. I know, like, my my young stepper-husband, like, he, like, he's from Jamaica. My sister moved out, my mom and my younger mom moved out to Jamaica when I was, like, 17, 18. I lived there for a good few months. And, like, when he was in Jamaica, he was just Jamaican. Yeah. You know, I mean? but when he came to the London, he was just like, oh, yeah, you're black now. Like, you know, you're this, you're everything, you're, you're all those other kind of things. You know, he always knew, obviously, he's a black, you know, Jamaican, African descent. But it's almost kind of like how you're made to feel within like the UK and different kind of systems as well. You're made to feel a certain way, like you don't belong, and like and everything's kind of like a graph. And this is why I kind of actually probably like similar to yourself. I think I'm sort of kind of like uh, always like your tweets as well, and I think people should go and check out your Twitter as well because like you're also hitting, like, hitting the nail on the heads when we're kind of speaking about this kind of conversation about like race and also like the activism. It's just like this is our lives are lived experiences so we're very much the you know the ones who are experienced in this but then you're always gonna have someone going like oh this is what you should be doing and this is what you should be like this is how you should be thinking and stuff and like that kind of like white spaining thing i remember that i looked at your video um i remember seeing it actually like last year is um the one retro yeah, and I think it's like the was it like the guy playing your manager put up all these signs saying "Be more urban, do this and like <laughs> that." And is that something that you generally have experienced? Obviously, like from like you know from your kind of like musical kind of background of like actually people said, "Oh, can you maybe be a bit more like this or be a bit more like that?" I, I think one thing to say here, by the way, is that was not about my management because oh, okay. my old management were amazing, so I hope oh, they okay. never thought that was about them. That was yeah. like that manager in that video is representing the business. And, mm-hmm. and I really wanted to, I, the personal experience for me of that was that when I made Retro and I sent it out, a lot of people close to me came back in music and said, ah, see now, now your music fits your face, i.e. the reason we didn't fully believe in you before is because you were doing what we perceived to be white music and you're black. 
this sounds a little bit blacker. This has got a kind of hip hop soul vibe. So now we can accept the music you do because it makes sense. Right. And it's that stereotypical thing of like, well, actually, if you really look back, because they, because, because for a lot of people in music, sadly, they genuinely believe that there was no music and then the Beatles came. <laughs> right. And that is, I mean, they fuck, that's how they teach it in fucking university. I mean, I remember being in a, a class university and the lecturer said, it's the Beatles aren't your favorite band. You should leave. And I thought, well, ask me out here because. They're just not the best. They're just not even close to the best of all time. So, like no reference to like Little Richard, Chuck Berry, Miles totally. Bailey, all, all, like... all the things that came before, right? Yeah, arrest. Yeah, and, and again at the time, the, you know, the Beatles loved it. Motown, like they, they were some of the greatest writers of all time. Those, those are some of the greatest collections of songs ever. But that's black music. It's like this weird, the weird thing. Like there's like you know what I mean. So I had this thing of like. No, I'm like I'm so happy because I finally found a way to do music I love, and I feel like it is part of my culture. But like I obviously grew up in Scotland, and I've—I mean, I've never been back to Africa, never, mm-hmm. never been. But like it's like that culture of like the soul and that stuff I've just grown up around. But it's still me. It's still got that indie vibe, and just naturally how I play. Because I'm, I'm not an indie fan. I didn't grow up with indie bands. It's just naturally how I sound when I play the music. Or that's the genre that people hear songwriters. So I was kind of like, at the same time as being totally happy and starting to know who I am, I was starting to go like, what have people thought of me this whole time? And that was really hard to hear that actually your race has been affected, mm-hmm. how you've been marketed or how we how you haven't hit the market. Because basically when I went to people and I was playing these songs and they had all the kind of different vibes, they would say, oh, we just don't know how to market it. And what they were, I think really then I realised what they were saying is, we don't know how to put your blackface on this music that we want, we want to mm-hmm. keep a white genre. Even though that genre and those people are essentially playing like music steeped in black origins. But this is this mad thing in it that like, you know, it's acceptable for like Adele and all these artists to play like black soul music. But God forbid a black person play what they perceive to be white music. So, it's just, so, so the whole video, I was just thinking I want to do it. And I was really, really, I mean, this was before Black Lives Matter happened, right? So this conversation wasn't a very public one, but it was something I thought about a lot. And I really wanted to hit home the fact that like urban is just another way of saying the N-word. Yeah. When he holds up that sign saying be more urban, he may as well have said the N-word. And that's a conversation I feel like the public has been privy to now because of Black Lives Matter. But prior to Black Lives Matter, there was no nuance to the conversation about blackness. This is, and this is an important thing to remember. Like To say stuff like that out loud then was like, why are you saying that? That's not a thing. Racism doesn't mm-hmm. exist. And I just wanted to do a video that spoke about that experience of the industry looking at you and through a certain gaze and going, like, this is how it should be and this is how you should sound and and, and the stereotypes that come in. And then again, like that feeling of like, have we not done this well? Have we not got ahead? Like, why why are we never, no matter our accolades, we're not in this, these lineups or these awards or whatever it is, like, you start to question, well, what is it that we've done? I've never gone out offending people. I keep myself to myself. Like, um, And you start to worry, like, is this becoming about, it's just becoming a race and you don't want it to be. That's the last thing you, you ever want. And yeah. Um, but yeah, so that video and then that song that I mean I was reflecting anyway about life and there's a lyric in that song that says, How can you say you love me when you taught me to hate myself? And that was about school because I, I remember sitting in school and we were learning about this and that and about black about Africa and black people in Africa and, and you learn about Africa and Africa's poor. And you send this to Africa, Africa's this, Africa's that. But then I had this realization as I'm sitting in school. Oh wait. I'm of African heritage. Does that 
does that make me proud? Does that make me less? And you're, so you're teaching me and the whole class that anyone like me or anyone darker than me or my family are poor and kids are like, you know what I mean? Kids have, are horrible about things and it's like the educational system teaches you less. Mm-hmm. Institutional racism is a thing. And I'm not saying that people are deliberately doing it. I, I think I think sometimes that for me the difference is in America, like quite often those institutional policies or choices that are as kind of steeped in racism. And I think in Britain, quite often they're just still there and nobody's yeah. bothered to remove them. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that they're not there. Just because no one's maliciously doing it doesn't mean that it doesn't have an adverse effect. So you know, but then you know, the video's still a bit humorous, and that's the thing, it's like I just wanted to start being saying that like this is my again. It's not like I'm trying to preach to anyone. It's just that's my experience. This has been my experience of my time, and yeah, what people take from that's what they take from it. But it's something I felt like I had to get out. I was like, I'm sick of feeling this way. I'm sick of feeling like I'm not me when like mm-hmm. I should be the only person that defines who I am. One hundred percent, man. One hundred percent. I think it's just like. Um... All those kind of things. I'm just kind of like, I'm just, I've not been saying much. I've just been nodding in agreement with you. I was kind of like, yeah, he's just hitting all those kind of points that I guess it's like when I speak about these kind of things or having conversations with people, I, I, I years ago when I was younger, we kind of actually not wanting to like how the system, how you're kind of raised in this kind of system. It's kind of like, you know, it doesn't allow you to kind of speak freely. And when you do free, speak freely, it's actually quite refreshing. I find it so refreshing for myself over the years, the older I've gotten, especially when I was in my, like, my 30s of being like, no, like this shit, like when we're speaking about stuff about Black Lives Matter and, you know, didn't know to suspect what's happening in America. I was saying to people like, this has been happening for years, for generations in the UK, you know, as well. So like, this is nothing new to us as people of colour. <laughs> like, yeah. And also like you've, you've been talking about it for years and people have been going, okay. Yeah. And then suddenly during like Black Lives Matter, they're like, they're talking to you and asking you and you're thinking, but I, I said this to you like two years ago in the pub and you just ignored me and you said I was not mm-hmm. nonsense. Like, mm-hmm. And that was really hard as well because whether we like it or not, there kind of is a black community in the world and we tend to be like linked in. And the, funny, the funniest thing about George Floyd, I saw that before it really hit the news on Twitter mm-hmm. because I followed a lot of black, black people in the Twitter world, I guess. And I was sad about it but I was sad because I thought, well, this is the same as Philando Castillo. This is the same as Javon Martin. It's happened again and no one's going to care. So the shock for me with George Floyd is that the, the public cared. And I, and I think the kind of catalyst for that was lockdown because everybody had, people couldn't ignore it. They, no matter where they looked, they had, to, they had to deal with the fact that that had happened. And it's like, had it not been lockdown, that might have just been like all those other ones that we all know about. We all talk about, we see it in the cultures we're surrounded in. But people went, nah, I don't know what. Uh, or the age old just once, well, must have committed a crime. Uh, so, uh, uh, that's what happens when you commit crimes. Yeah. You know, and that got harder to, to do, like to, to say it. And, and coming back to what you were talking about earlier, I think one of the conversations we had at one point, and I was telling you, we were, I think we were both talking about being exhausted and that it was that I was being asked to do so many things. And then you'd said to me, like, you have you have to be paid for it. And I thought, I, I, can't, I can't be paid for that. I don't want to be paid. And it's like, but that's our time. And like, they, these, these people were. There were so many organisations who got together black people and took all their advice and their knowledge and then said, thanks for your time. We feel better about ourselves. We've ticked the box on your bike. And n- now I'm like yourself. I'm like, well, you know what? Like, my time is valuable. If you, if you want to talk about race, that's cool. But like, 
you're going to have to to pay for that because yeah. because you're you're using our experience to to be able to do whatever you're doing and it's and, and oftentimes it's not even benefiting the, the communities around us yeah you know it's, it's it's a weird thing I, I, was, I always kind of make a joke with like people saying like i guess when i'm doing like my um creative practitioner freelance kind of stuff out away from my like like daytime job i think i'm busy at the start of the year and then october for some reason i always seem to be quite busy <laughs> like you know like everyone if people are listening are like you know it's black history month in october you know in the uk that's when i seem to get a lot of email requests to kind of do panel talks or mm-hmm. do interviews and stuff and and i kind of think like you know what like um I think the older I'm getting, I'm kind of actually going like, nah, I don't, I don't want to kind of do this anymore. I don't want to kind of like be like that kind of propped up of like, oh look, we're very, very, being very conscious of actually the black lived experience stuff. So we've got this person who does a podcast and runs this like organization kind of thing. So I've got kind of deliberately in my head is actually going like, right, let me just step away from that because you don't need me to kind of do this anymore. Because if you if I, if I keep on being pushed to kind of do this, I'll probably be speaking a lot of stuff that's going to make everyone uncomfortable. So yeah. let me just step away from that as well. Yeah. But one thing, one thing, like moving on a bit, I wanted to kind of touch on as well, like you've been like, besides, you know, from doing the music, you kind of stepped into like the acting as well, haven't you? Yeah, so I did. I mean, I, I did that one film, Skin Jacket. I, I say started off acting when I was wee. I was like always in, in drama clubs and that. And then I did mm-hmm. a show that we got into like National Theatre in the Lyceum in Edinburgh and that. And, and I loved acting, but it was that age old thing of like people, and I don't mean this in, in sense of blackness, I mean even Ayrshire, like people from where I was from couldn't see themselves in that because we didn't have any opportunity or structure. So mm-hmm. it didn't seem like an achievable dream or something I could do. Whereas somehow music, I don't know, maybe because there's just there's always been a real belief of like working class people in music. I don't I don't know where the, the difference is. So I kind of gave up on it and then when this came up I thought, you know what, I'm, I'm going to do it because it's different and it's been locked down and I really loved being back in front of the camera and being on the set and I'd obviously do it, done it for the videos and I got the opportunity to write and direct my first short film and it's been so nice to do something different because ultimately I'm a, a writer, like I, I love writing and it's just telling stories in it. Your songs are telling stories, music videos are telling stories. It's just all the different ways you can. And I thought, you know, I can't do music right now. There's no way to perform, but you can be in films and you can make films and you can make content for people to watch. So mm-hmm. it was a really lovely transition. And and it's like a much more collaborative world than music, which has been nice to be around like nice, like-minded, supportive people and, and for that to be commonplace rather than a rarity, which in music is kind of the reverse. And, yeah, I've just I've just loved every minute of it, and it's been a kind of, kind of dream come true. And I'm, I'm writing the next short, and I'm, I'm thinking about like pitching a feature, and, and and I'm trying to figure out how 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 I meet in the middle, and I have a hybrid of both music and film that kind of really works. And mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I, I, like I'd I'd love to act more. I'd, I'd hope to get the opportunity to do it, but with like you know. I was saying something last last week for me was like a show on the Saturday, I had to write on the Sunday, Monday, and then Tuesday I was doing promo, then a show on the Wednesday, then I had a script to hand in on the Thursday, and then a show on the Friday, and it, you know, in, in between you're doing like the like podcast or press or whatever you're, you're doing, and and for me, I, I manage Brown Bear as well, so I, I manage the band, I, I pick all the shows, I deal with every aspect of our business, or I do all the releases, so it's kind of like, oh, there's only so many hours in the day, and 
and it, so you inevitably go through periods where it's great and you're like, I'm acting in something and I'm writing something, yeah. performing a show. And then you'll go through periods like, oh, I've got like a month of invoices here. <laughs> but <laughs> it's what we talked about earlier. Like if you look after the business, then it should hopefully allow you to to protect the art. Yeah. And I, I, I was just, speaking of Mike as well, because I said I really enjoyed like the new video One More Night as well. And you said that's where you met like your partner. Yeah. And that was so cool. Like to, you, you know, like, She's just like Stacey's just a really cool person, and and like do you know it's funny like when we'd been introduced and we we're going to work in the video like she's a, a real ally and she'd been sharing all that stuff and she was one of the only people that came to me and it wasn't like can you tell me things it was like wow I really love reading what you post and I'm, I've mm. been posting a lot to my friends because I believe in it and it's really lovely to see your experience and it makes me think and it's, I was like oh thank you and then you have this lovely conversation because they're not coming to you and saying hey tell me everything because I want to be able to go and prove a friend wrong here. <laughs> I need to prove to people I'm not racist. You know, she's just a genuine, genuinely caring person. And then from that, we became friends and, and we were going to be working this video and yeah, and we worked on the video and we just got on so well and we finally met and we were working together yeah. and it, it became more and we're still together and, and, and I'm loving my best life with that because it's so lovely to be with someone now who's a creative and, you know, for the first time in my life, I'm experiencing what all my exes are experiencing because she, she, she's 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 away on tour right now and i'm at home and i'm like oh what's she up to why is she not talking to me why is she so busy and i'm like god is this what everyone that used to go out with me complained about were they justified <laughs> i thought they were just really really not getting it so but it's really lovely because we yeah are supportive and we're in different arts that she acts and she's a puppeteer so we're in kind of different worlds but every so often it crosses over and that was a moment where we got to work together now we were talking about doing a follow-up and um, yeah, and that video was just so much fun to make and to do something different, and and it's taught me so much about like, puppeteering's a, a whole thing. And I, I had I thought I respected arts, and I didn't really understand what the art of puppeteering was. And now that I know more about it, I'm like, wow, like what what puppeteers do to bring those puppets to life is just incredible. And and that's even harder on film, right? Because when you're doing it in a room, you can do all this. When when you're doing that to camera, like you know the it's so funny because people when we were doing the edit it took a long time because they'd be saying this looks good and I'd be saying no 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 because like the moment a puppet stops it's just a dead thing and that's like wow like to make something feel alive for that whole time is really difficult so that, that was so much fun to do something and, and to learn it I'm, I'm really creative so like I love to see other artists and I'm fascinated by it and, and that's cool for us you know like we're living with our creatives good but it's hard because it's not yeah. like when you live with someone who's not a creative and you say, what does that sound like? They kind of go, yeah, that's, that's nice. They, you know, for me, it's like, they're like, nah, you're better than that. And it's like, ah, oh, could you not have lied to me just on Sunday? <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? Like, that's, it's, it's, it's so nice that, you know, that you're able, you know, that kind of blossomed into like, a relationship. But it looks like the video does look like it was like really good kind of fun. And you had to get, get to see some of your acting chops in that video as well. Yeah. I, yeah. And this is, I got to act a bit more and Sabrina, who's in the video is, is amazing. And she kind of got me through it. And, but with, with Stacey, like, I think that's one of the moments we realized, man, we really have a connection. Like, um, there's a bit in the video where we set up and that was like one take because like, we have to tame it but for her she can't see what's happening she's lying on the ground and it's just her arm that goes up and we just did it so well and we got we just clicked and it's like oh wow this is like there's something everyone that was around us was like there's something really we were kind of like nah 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 and I, I, I was actually I actually had a partner at the time and things weren't weren't like great but I was like nah nah I'm, I've got a partner this isn't a thing and then that kind of that ended that didn't work out and then 
you know, me and Stacey had to get in touch and we were like, yeah, there's surely a spark here. And, and we went for it and it's been, it's been amazing since. And like I say, just like, I think I think it's like, I think it's what I needed in my life as well because I've always been with people who weren't really necessarily creatives. Or, or if they were, they were a musician and it was like two musicians sometimes can be like a real... Bit of a clash, yeah. Clash, it's like, mm. let's just never talk about our careers. <laughs> Whereas <laughs> like for us, it's just, it's really objective. It's like... You know, we understand the, the level we want to be at, but we respect that the other has the expertise in their art. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and we and we push each other. So it's just been so, and we had so much fun. And, and we have, this is what I'm saying. Like I'm hating her being away because we messaged today and we we're saying like, gosh, the hardest thing about being away is like every day we would be stupid and have fun with each other. And we really are kind of. If people saw us, they'd be like, they're weird. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, I've I've had no one to be weird with. I feel like I've been this really serious. I'm like a caged person because I'm not just getting to be as expressive and, and being in it and with someone where you can just be yourself is what a difference it makes to your life a hundred percent man yeah it's just like I think like my wife was like when I first you know we was going out she's going like I was probably like probably from my background or where I grew up she's like so serious like just like <laughs> learn to take the piss out of yourself and stuff and I was kind of just gradually learned and, and that's been amazing when our daughter was born as well because I think my daughter just thinks I'm so silly like, <laughs> in comparison to like when I'm just serious and doing other kind of things but I think you need that I, I find that such a kind of de-stressor where you can actually just be yourself in your home environment as well and just be like this relaxed but I find it so relaxing I think one thing I think like, a couple more questions before we kind of wrap up um what what's kind of like in the works that you got coming up like shows and events like for this year or even going into 20, 2023 yeah so so we, we've got a, a headline tour on sale for me it's like uh glasgow on the 25th edinburgh on the 26th and then aberdeen cafe drummond's on the 27th of may and then there's a scotland tour thing so we're heading to more regional areas and and maybe a, a down south so we're just trying to get we, we just finished making a new album so we're going to try and road test it and we're just trying to get all of the stuff put in place to make this record happen like we do it all independently like me and um I kind of, i've got kind of trusted people around me and um yeah we're just trying our best to make something happen whatever happens that record's going to come out whether it's really independently or if there's any support you know that's that's cool so it's that age-old thing in it like when people follow you it's like we really need your support like a local business because we are it's like an independent business it's not you know and sometimes people think of bands as like like they don't really need you and that for me we do like i really really love and appreciate people that kind of follow and engage with us and so yeah that's that's the 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 plan and i want to make more videos for it and i really want to make a wider visual project for the album and and then take that that big live show next year so if, if the, the album launch show doesn't happen at the end of this year, which I hope it does, but again, it's not like we don't want to. It's like the vinyl's on a delay because of Brexit and because of COVID, and then the venues that we want to be at don't have dates because there's two years of reschedules going on. Oh, so yeah, yeah. There's a lot going on, so if it's not this year, then there'll be an album tour next year, and um, I'm writing my next short. Hopefully I get commissioned to make that, and I'm, I'm prepping for a feature. Uh, which is like the really early stages, so that's like at the pitch stage before you even start writing. Um, yeah, so just just keeping keeping up with that and keep working away, and I, I write for other people, so back to writing songs with people, and it's just really nice. Nice and one. I, I really, I really have this idea. I'd love to do more collaborative collaborative songs for myself, and um, I've somewhere down the line that I really want to do some sort of showcase or a tour of like 
kind of black songwriters and, and really, you know, I, I'm trying I'm trying my best to it's funny when you've got people around you there that you know you could be like a leader, you could be doing this and that, and it's like I'd love to be, but I, I also have to be myself and I sometimes think sometimes you need to let me go and open doors and show that we can do it. And mm-hmm. and I, I'd love to go and kick down some doors in some areas and say, Hey, you know, we're here and you know, my name's Matthew Hickman, so it's, it doesn't sound black, and I, I'm actually so I've got lighter skin. It's got lighter skin, so if that means that I can get in and then say, "Hey, you know, I, I'm I'm good," but there's a lot of people who are a lot who are are, are blacker and mm-hmm. who have African names who you haven't listened to because of that, but they're actually a lot better than me. And now that I'm here, I'd like them to be here. So the way I look at it, it's like I need to go and do the best I can do. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, I want to do that because I, I want to open those doors. And, and for me, that's just as important about Ayrshire. I want to say, hey, people from Ayrshire can do this too. And um, yeah, I'm still, still just, yeah, I'm just always looking at projects and just being creative, basically. But we're heading on tour in May. We've got, we've got a, more more songs to come out. And, and, and if the album isn't out as soon as we hoped, we'll probably keep just drip-feeding songs and videos. And okay. Just, I don't know, like, I just, I just like to be creative and be busy and, and hopefully... Yeah, I thought about bringing Sunday Social back as well because I did that. Oh yeah, because yeah, I was on that review. Was that yeah. two years? Was it two yeah. years? Do you know what? I apologise because in my old house I had really shit Wi-Fi, so kind of like I'd be up for doing it again in my new house. Let's so, do it. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was really good, man. I enjoyed yeah, that. I just loved. To, you know, every Sunday I was speaking to a creative and and just live, and it wasn't a planned podcast. We just hmm. shoot some shit and talk about the industry and that and. Um, you know, I think I stopped because I was tired and then I thought about coming back. I was like, oh, I know the world isn't here online. And then I just realised, I'm just at the stage now where I'm like, it doesn't matter. You can't always worry about who's watching. Like, you have to just yeah. do things because it's just it's just nice to do them. And I loved hearing other people. Like, a lot like yourself, I'm sure it's amazing. You hear everyone's experience and you think, God, it's so refreshing to, to hear a different perspective. Like, As you know, it is, man. And I've really enjoyed doing some of these kind of like, these, these like commission podcasts um, for Northlands Creative. And I spoke to an artist um, out in um, New Zealand called Tiongo. And like, like Friday, Friday night for me. And it was like Saturday morning for her. But just kind of even, it's, even the conversations I appreciate are not recorded as well. And how he's kind of speaking about, like, you know, because she's um, um, half Scottish, half Maori, but, like, speaking about activism and stuff like that, and thinking, like, yeah, there's somebody, like, literally thousands of miles away, but they kind of get what I'm doing as doing a podcast or via We Are Here Scotland and stuff as well. So I like having those, even those conversations that are not recorded, those are kind of actually those learning kind of moments for me as well, and it keeps me kind of actually keeps me going I think as well that kind of bit of actually disconnecting people and not just kind of like obviously there's a, a massive you know the podcast is about artists in the northeast of Scotland but I like that expansion of having conversations with people like yourself and people in different parts of the world as well but um okay this last question now before we kind of like you know wrap up like given all your kind of like years of experience and I guess like you know you know within music or like now obviously within acting and directing for like an up-and-coming like artist what what kind of advice would you kind of like you know part onto them and say look this has helped me if you kind of try and do this this might kind of help you as well I think I say it all the time and I got asked this in a trade day and I was doing it live and I really was like oh, I don't know I don't know I think always be polite Right, because you never—it just one because you should, but you also never know what someone's going through. Um, and always be yourself. Like, just be unashamedly yourself, and and like, 
don't don't let people don't don't think well if I do this and, and I'm not myself I'll get ahead yeah you might but do you know what people will see through it eventually or you'll be unhappy and that's what happened to me some of the times I, I didn't trust my gut and I did what I thought I should do because I thought other people thought I should do I just even if it worked out a bit I just ended up miserable and it didn't work out I think all you can ever be is yourself and just try to be the best person yourself but also we aren't always our best and don't be afraid to say to someone you know what I, I'm not in the best place to be doing this at the moment because I believe that your time comes when your time comes and if if it, I say it a lot for people as well for funding like <clears throat> if you just put in for funding if you think I think it'd, it'd be good to have funding or, or you really do think you want it but be honest with yourself like are you ready for that and if you're not wait it's okay to wait it's okay like you know there's more time than you think in music and the business works slowly and then it can work really fast but there's no control over it because a lot of it is to do with like the way that people respond and don't don't feel like there's this weird thing that creatives do where it's like a badge of honor to like miss out on life for your career and it's like well you know you can't get that life back you can't get that family back in those times like have both don't don't let the business tell you that you can't have it all like if you want to have a family and have that time have it and then do your creative stuff like pe- people will respond to a genuineness and i think the best thing i ever did is i went i can't keep up this thing of like posting as if like i'm worried about whatever i'm just gonna be me and obviously for that me for me that meant i actually became quite outspoken about things mm-hmm. and previously people would have been like you shouldn't say that because you might alienate people and i think but i realized see if someone believes that i don't want them to be watching my shows in i don't want people in the audience that don't share yeah. my values so i don't yeah. care if, if they're alienated good go go and find some. Yeah. there's plenty of bands that believe what you believe we can enjoy them i, I want to be around people who I want to be around and that's who I am. So like, if you're not down with it, like that's your, your beef. And, and, and the moment I realised that, like, and it's hard for me because I grew up like that. I grew up thinking about what people think they think. Somewhere along the line when the band started and I was in the press and all that, I started to worry about what people thought about me and it was the worst thing that happened. And then I realised like, at the end of the day, the people that I love know who I am. Mm-hmm. Whatever strangers think of me, man, that's their fucking beef. I'm not out there judging them every day. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, <laughs> and if they're so worried about me, that's that's shows that they're missing something. Like if I really fill up a lot of their space, like come on, like and anything, yeah. yeah. Any anytime I've been a bit like better because I'm not perfect. I'm not setting up. I've seen things and I've thought like negatively about a band, and then I go, oh, "Come on, Matt, you're just being jealous." Because sometimes we naturally go, "That's annoying," and they're like this and that, and then you go, "No, they're not anything." You're jealous because mm-hmm. it's not worked out for you. Then you sit back and go. Why hasn't it worked? And then sometimes you go, do you know what? It wasn't for me and I'm glad I didn't do it. And sometimes you go, you know, it didn't work because you didn't do this. So if you want to do it, you're yeah. going to have to work harder. Mm-hmm. Just So yeah, always be yourself and always be honest with yourself and and don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't Because sometimes people don't ask for help and then they do weird things where they like demand it. But then you think, but whoa, you've never even asked me. It's weird, isn't it? They do this weird jump from like saying nothing to like, you should have done this for me. And, you, and then you go, I didn't even know you existed. Why didn't you just tell me? Yeah, and it's like just yeah, yeah. just talk, just have that just have honest conversations like hey I do I do like a funder hey I'm doing music maybe at some point I'd like to be funded could we talk about what fun is and then they'll go yeah lovely to meet you oh your music's great yeah this fund isn't for you just now by the way you wouldn't get it but yeah he, because what I find when I do that is people don't go it's not for you come back when it is quite often people go this isn't for you but do you know what I, there's this thing that might be for you and maybe that's a good starting point yeah absolutely yeah yeah that's and then once you when you've done that and they come back and see it they go. Well, this is great. You've been through that thing, so we've got a bit more confidence. So yeah, okay, we'll help you. And then, just I think quite often 
it's not there's not as much negativity as we think it's just a lack of communication so just always be open and honest and tell people what you want and let them say if they can help me and if they can't you know what that's cool go because yeah. there'll be someone that can or maybe you'll be able to do it on your own so yeah be, be honest be yourself and be proud of it yeah no thank you matt and thank you so much man. i think like you've just imparted so much words of advice and wisdom throughout this podcast so i really appreciate you kind of getting coming on the podcast and just kind of sharing your story with us um is it okay if we put like all the links like you know um obviously the up-and-coming gigs and also just like the music videos in our episode description as well yeah please do and obviously yeah. like um i think if you google it and all that you'll find it but we've got that kind of master link thing the link tree now which is great because it's got yeah, yeah, you can look yeah. up what, what we're doing but yeah please do that be great oh nice one man but yeah matt man 100 appreciate you coming on the podcast and Thank uh, you so yeah, much. I hope everyone, yeah no worries and i hope everyone else enjoyed this conversation as well and we'll see you guys soon all right take care for now so yes, that was my conversation with Matt Hickman, aka Brown Bear. I want to thank Matt for coming on the podcast and just being very open and honest with us. And I really enjoyed that conversation. So I hope you guys enjoyed it as well. And yes, be sure to check out Matt. He's coming to Aberdeen um, Cafe Drummond on Friday, the 27th of May and performing from 8 o'clock onwards. So be sure to head to the link in his bio to get your tickets booked. And I guess, guys, this is going to be a little bit of a break for me just now. I will be back at some point during mid to late summer this year. I think, you know, we've had a really good season of really interesting um, conversations. And so I'm glad that I was able to kind of like, you know, speak with a lot of talented and creative people based in the office of Scotland and forever afield. But I will be back. I'm just kind of like check out um, the Instagram feed for any kind of updates and posts on there. And yeah, thanks for kind of just rocking with the podcast, you know, for this year and for this season. I really enjoyed, you know, bringing you guys these conversations but i will be back um like i said um mid to late summer this year with a whole new range of new conversations and also revisiting some kind of former um guests i've had on the podcast over the years so i will see you again very soon take care for now guys